You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Every year before Valentine's Day, I always like to remind people to fuck first. It's sort of my Valentine's Day message that. You shouldn't go out and you know eat a rich meal and drink a lot of booze and then go home and expect you're going to get fucked by your long-term partner because you're both going to be exhausted and inebriated. Then you're going to fall asleep and Valentine's Day is going to be this crushing romantic disappointment. So I tell people on Valentine's Day, fuck first and then go out to dinner. Make later reservations. You have an easier time getting them. And that's my perennial advice for Valentine's Day and for everything else. I think fuck first is a good policy, <laughs> whatever you're doing. If you're going bowling, fuck first. And now I have sort of a perennial piece of advice I like to give about Halloween because uh, this comes up every year. And my advice on Halloween is for everyone to please pull the sticks out of their asses about it. And I'm talking to lefties, liberals, feminists, progressives, uh, righteous LGBT people. I'm talking to my people, Democrats, progressives, liberals, lefties, radicals. Because every year now when Halloween rolls around, Twitter blows up and posts go up on Facebook and on people's blogs – Complaining about the sexy thing, the sexy, sexy costumes for adults and how Halloween has been appropriated by adults and Halloween is really sexist because women are expected to go out in these very revealing costumes and men don't go out in very revealing costumes and that's not fair. And suddenly things are coming out of the mouths and out of the keyboards of people who usually don't say things like this. Like think of the children, which is kind of a right-wing talking point when it comes to anything. The right-wingers are always think of the children. But you hear lefties and progressives and feminists and liberals saying, oh, Halloween's supposed to be for the children and adults have perverted and subverted it and ooh, think of the children. Adults, straight people, everybody, gay people, we need these moments of mass sort of release and display. We're all under pressure all the time um, to conform sexually and even if we know we're not conforming sexually to appear to conform most of the time and to keep it all bottled up. We all walk around horny 24 hours a day but in public we have to present sort of non-horny facades and we need these days where we can just like bust loose and gay people have them. Gay people have pride parades where we just tear it up. Right? And, you know, and people complain. Straight people complain. Oh, you don't see straight people behaving like that in public. I've always maintained that you should see straight people behaving like that in public every once in a while. Straight people need to behave like that in public every once in a while. That's what straight people do at Carnival in Brazil. It's what straight people do at Mardi Gras in New Orleans and what straight people do in fashion in Germany. They get dressed up in appalling outfits and shake their asses in public and flash their tits. And you need to do that. And Halloween kind of has become that for straight people. Halloween has become the straight pride parade. I've started calling it heteroween. Halloween used to be the high holy day on the gay calendar because, you know, if you read about pre-Stonewall gay life, Halloween was the one day a year when gay people could go out in public as gay people and not get arrested, when guys could go out in drag, when women could go out uh, in tuxedos with their hair slicked back into ducks' asses. Without attracting the attention of the police. Halloween was the one day a year when the queers could run out and be as queer as they wanted to be without getting into trouble. And so Halloween was our holiday. But it's been supplanted really by the pride parade where we run out and act as queer as we want to. And straight people have taken Halloween. And I think that's great because straight people needed Halloween. There was an effort by marketers a few years ago to uh, make sort of a national holiday out of Mardi Gras to make that the flash your tits holiday. 
were straight people all over the country and it didn't work. Booze merchants tried to make that happen. It just didn't work. Straight people seem to have made this collective unconscious decision to take Halloween and make that carnival in the United States for breeders. And I think that's good. I wish it was a little more egalitarian. I wish the guys were encouraged by people selling shitty costumes and everybody else to show as much flesh. But we have to accept the reality that as a mating, dating, fucking, screwing, hooking up strategy, showing flesh is more advantageous for people trying to attract male attention than it is for people trying to attract female attention. It really isn't a conspiracy by champion party supply or other costume manufacturers to oppress women that there are sexy, sexy costumes for women and the parallels for men aren't that sexy, sexy. It's just acknowledging kind of the reality of the way attraction works, that if you're trying to attract male attention, display. If you're trying to attract female dis- attention, if you display, which is perceived as kind of oh, a strategy for attracting male attention, if you do that kind of display, you're going to be perceived as kind of queer. Guys who show off, people think, are looking for dudes. So there's not as much incentive, not as much reward for guys to show off, which you know lends to this creates this disparity where there's the sexy, sexy pirate costume for her that shows a lot of flesh and the all-covered-up pirate costume for him that shows no flesh at all. Uh, I wish more straight guys went out and showed flesh. There's a lot of straight flesh in the world that I would like to admire on Halloween and the rest of the year. But those are the realities. Guys aren't going to show as much. We should encourage them too, but they're just not going to. And we should accept that this is fine. Halloween is this kind of sexy, sexy public celebration of heterosexual lust and desire now – Straight people needed it. One of the things I always hear when I go and speak at colleges from conservative students is that you don't see straight people flashing their tits. You know, look at the pride parade. Look at your pride parade. It's terrible. You know, shirtless women and go-go boys and thongs and isn't that terrible. Uh, and straight people don't have pride parades and I always tell them straight people should have a pride parade. You kind of need a pride parade. We need a big public celebration of heterosexual sex and sexuality and heterosexual release. That isn't about you know marginalizing or excluding or condemning the queers. It's just a big celebration of heteroness, and we have it now. It's called Halloween or heteroween, as I like to call it, and we should embrace and celebrate it. It's not for everybody. It's not compulsory. You don't have to show your tits. You don't have to go to the bars on Halloween. But can we please stop shitting on the people who want to and who do? Because it's not going to stop them, and it just makes us look like sex-negative hypocrites. You calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Just go to adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 27-year-old bisexual female. I'm calling from New York, and I'm calling regarding my dad. Um, About five years ago, he um, let me know that he was into cross-dressing, and um, not in a performative way, but but in a sexual way, and that this is sort of something that he does when he masturbates. Um, And... At the time, I think I, I was just kind of floored and, and really shocked and didn't really know what to say or how to respond. Um, and since then, it's uh, it's come up quite a bit 
and I, I, you know, he was divorced two times before. Um, well, I guess it was in the middle process of his second divorce when he told me about this. But um, I just sort of feel like he talks to me about it more than I would like to, and in more detail than I would like to than I would like him to. And it's not um, that I really have a problem with him cross-dressing, but it's more that I don't feel like it's appropriate that he shares what he does when he masturbates with me, his daughter. Um, even though, you know, he did that when I was an adult. And I also feel like he kind of has all these issues about being rejected around it, you know, as, as this was a large part of the reason that he got divorced from my mother and from the woman afterwards. Um, so I'm just wondering, how do I set appropriate boundaries with him? Um, and what are those appropriate boundaries? And um, also not make him feel like I am rejecting him. If you're worried about your dad feeling rejected when you have the conversation with him that you are going to have, just preface it with, I don't want you to feel rejected. I'm totally not rejecting you. And I get why you felt you wanted to share this detail of your private sexual expression with me because it was relevant to uh, the reason both your marriages failed and it pained you and you needed to unburden yourself. But uh, mission accomplished and now shut the fuck up. Uh, You can say it a little nicer than that. What you need to say to dad is – you know, I, I am your daughter and you know me and you are my father and I know you and I want to have a relationship with you and we want to be able to share uh, and talk about our lives. But when it comes to sex lives between parents and children, what you share are rough outlines uh, on a need-to-know basis. You don't go into the details of exactly what you're wearing, when you jerk off or what you do to masturbate with your dad. Your dad knows that you masturbate. Right? But he doesn't know how, when, where, why, wearing what, with what. Those are details, fine-grained details that parents, children, friends, they don't need to know unless they're intimately involved in your sex life. And so what you need to say to dad is, I understand why you want to share this to me. Um, I'm not uncomfortable with it. I-, I affirm it. I think you should you know, reach out. There's support. You should find people you can date. You-, you should mention this on a personal ad and maybe attract women who are into it and they are out there. Uh, but we shouldn't really talk about it very much anymore or in detail because it makes me uncomfortable. Not the fact that you cross-dress or the fact that you are a sexual person, but just having this kind of conversation about when and how and where you masturbate, it feels like you are turning to me for support and for a sounding board when there's other more appropriate persons out there who could function as that kind of supportive sounding board. Uh, and you need to go and make those contacts. And I encourage you to do so. And say to dad, I'm not shaming you about cross-dressing. I would be saying the same thing if you were telling me about being into s and I would be saying the same thing if you were telling me about how you like to eat pussy, what your cunnilingus techniques are. I would be saying the same thing if you're talking about vanilla heterosexual intercourse and your desire for it and problems with it and you know the kind of porn you like to watch when you masturbate, even if it was 100% vanilla, if you were sh- sharing all of that with me, it would be a little awkward, uncomfortable and inappropriate. So this isn't about me shaming you, dad, about the cross-dressing. This is about us having healthy boundaries and acknowledgement, of course, that we are both sexual people and we have sex lives and there's some you know rough outline need to know info that we're both going to be privy to and want to share. But past that, uh-uh. And so you can say, Dad, that you cross-dress, fine. Details about when, how, where, why, jacking off, da 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 TMI, the end. Now please shut the fuck up and I won't overshare and you won't overshare. That doesn't mean that what you've told me or just me knowing this amounts to oversharing, but everything else after is. 
oversharing. So please, Dad, TMI, knock it the fuck off. Not rejecting you, just let's keep this to a, a low and appropriate roar, shall we? This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Go to adamandeve.com and order almost any one item at 50% off. Choose a new adult toy, lube, or almost anything from over 18,000 adult products. Then at checkout, enter offer code SAVAGE and you'll get to choose three free adult DVDs. That's right. You get to choose your own DVDs. Plus, receive a free mystery gift and free shipping on your entire order. Choose from all kinds of genres for both gay and straight folks. And now you can also shop on your mobile phone at Adam and Eve. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan Savage. My girlfriend and I have been dating about two years, and I live in Utah right now. It's not a bad thing, even though the Mormons keep it weird. I do a lot of outdoor stuff here, and I love it. She knows that I love it, but she's still in school, and we're coming to this junction where... She doesn't want me to move for her, and I am willing to try and make it work. And she's basically undercutting me at these kind of crucial junctures to, like, keep us together. And finally, like, this is towards the end of my season here in, in uh, Utah by Zion National Park. And I've got two weeks to go before I come back. And about a month ago, I said, let's try being monogamish since it's so hard for you to to be away from me and with two weeks left to go, and I know I shouldn't feel betrayed here, but I feel kind of betrayed that she slept with some guy last night and it wasn't even good. It wasn't even worth it. It didn't even make her feel good. And I'm tr- I'm just trying to make her feel better. But in our conversation about it, in our open and honest conversation about what's going on, she tells me about him. She tells me about what's going on. The biggest thing I really care about is the fact that the guy had a girlfriend and isn't going to tell his girlfriend Thank God they were they were safe, these economy, et cetera. But the thing that's starting to piss me off now is that even after I've extended this, what I consider to be huge thing to her, like with the, she still can't, A, feel good about herself, feel better about what's going on, feel better about our relationship, wait two damn weeks for me to get back. And then also she can't extend me the same courtesy, which I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I mostly just want someone to talk to about this. I'm afraid I'm not going to be much help. I'm just going to introduce a lot of doubt. Um, And I don't want to be an underminer, but here we go. You know, when somebody says, uh, I love you, I can't live without you, but stay away. Don't come here right now, please. That's telling. Those are actions speaking louder perhaps than words. You say in your call, um, she doesn't want me to move for her and undercuts me at all crucial junctures about – you getting to the city where she is and you guys being closer together. And that leads me to believe that at least for right now, she wants this distance for some reason. And perhaps that reason is, you know, we can see that reason in her recent behavior, that she wants some degree of freedom, that she's exploring her sexuality a little bit, that um, maybe this guy isn't the only guy, but this is the only guy she's confessed to because your recent, you know, kind of ultimatum about if we're not going to be together uh, in the same city, you'd like to have a monogamous relationship, um, really kind of called the question for her about monogamy and faithfulness. So she threw this out there. Or, you know, it could be that this is the only guy and this happened and she's reeling and she confessed and totally fessed up and there's nobody else. You are better, you are in a better position to assess her truthfulness and whether you believe you're getting the full story. Although, you know, caveat, love is blind. People have been successfully misled by people they thought they knew very well. 
I am being an underminer here. All that said, you know, if you what you want is a relationship with some degree of openness, sometimes people stumble into that kind of arrangement and relationships are messy and people make mistakes and you don't want to be such a stickler for process that you reject an offer for what you want because you know it came in kind of a janky fucked up package, right? Um, if what you want is an open relationship and some degree of freedom for both of you, uh, you know it may actually help her that she cheated and that you forgave her and that she sees now having slept with somebody else that it's possible to do that sort of thing without it destroying your feelings uh, for someone else, that it doesn't mean she doesn't love you. It, it may even have reinforced for her how much she loves you, particularly if you can forgive her and take her back for you know, what's the problem here. And the problem isn't that she slept with somebody else because you are OK with that. You were putting monogamish on the table. So it's not that she had sex with somebody else. It's how she did it. She did it dishonestly and without you know you guys having nailed down every detail, not without having negotiated, without your full consent and buy-in and participation. And for all of that, she should feel bad, but not for the actual sex, right? Because you are okay with that. So I think if you love her and if she isn't slamming her hand down on the self-destruct button here by saying, "Oh, stay away," and now I'm fucking other people and telling you about it. If this isn't about her consciously or subconsciously trying to manipulate you into breaking up with her. You may be able to make some lemonade out of this fucking stinky ass lemon, right? By taking what she's now experienced um, and using this as a negotiation point in your negotiations around a monogamish relationship model about hammering out an agreement for outside sexual contact that will sort of then, if you can forgive her, retroactively apply to this incident if indeed – in your judgment, caller, it was an isolated incident. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Opening Up, A Guide to Creating and Sustaining Open Relationships. I'm throwing this out there for the previous caller. It is by Tristan Taramino, who's a sex advisor, a sex writer, also a sex podcaster uh, and a guest expert every once in a while on Savage Love and on the podcast as well. Uh, and she has written extensively about open relationships and this book comes highly recommended by me and others. For that free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I have the opposite problem of every other woman. My boyfriend is not involved in sex or in porn at all. Doesn't want to watch it. I've suggested it. A couple months ago, we had ended up having a fight. I threw out that maybe he needed to see a doctor about his libido. He has low, low testosterone. And so I'm a little worried now because we're long distance. How can I encourage a burgeoning sexual appetite from far, far away for someone who doesn't want to watch porn? If he has a hormonal deficiency, if he actually suffers from low testosterone, he should see a doctor and find out if he needs to be on testosterone supplements. Um, people have differing libido levels. Some guys naturally, even with totally sufficient levels of testosterone in their system, have low libidos. He could be one of those guys. And I know I've said a million times in the podcast that all men watch porn uh, because 
by and large and generally speaking, uh, almost all men do. Uh, if you're with a guy who doesn't watch porn, you're with a rarity. Uh, but there are guys out there, straight guys even, who don't particularly like porn or watch much porn. Sometimes I think the pressures on straight guys to conform and the way straight male sexuality is policed, observed, critiqued is as debilitating uh, and insane as the way female sexuality is policed uh, and critiqued and torn apart. Uh, guys who don't like porn, their girlfriends – you know, guys who like porn, their girlfriends are freaked out and angry. When I get, I get letters every day from girls who are worried because their boyfriends don't like porn because aren't all guys supposed to like porn? There are guys out there who don't like blowjobs and I get letters every day from girls who are worried that their boyfriends must be gay because they don't like blowjobs when of course the media and – Romantic comedies and dirty comedies and just the whole culture makes blowjobs sound like every straight man's ultimate fantasy wish and being deprived of it makes them all miserable. So there's something wrong with your guy if he doesn't like blowjobs uh, and on and on and on. You know, all these markers and traits that all straight guys are supposed to share when you come across a straight guy who doesn't, it's then treated – it's pathologized. It's treated like something's wrong with this guy. Maybe there is nothing wrong with your boyfriend. Doesn't much care for porn. Maybe he has a naturally low libido if he has indeed low testosterone levels and that's not just something he threw out there to, so you'd stop bothering him about the libido difference. Then he should get treated and see if that makes a change. But you may need to accept him for who he is sexually. He may be a low libido guy who doesn't much go in for porn and that's not for you to police. That's for you to decide whether that's a price of admission you're willing to pay. If his libido and your libido don't come close enough for you to be satisfied, for you, to, this isn't a sexually compatible relationship and you should end it for that reason. But not because he's damaged goods necessarily and you shouldn't treat him like he's damaged goods when he may not be damaged at all. He may just not have the same libido level that you do and he may not like porn the way you like it or the way you think all straight guys must. Hey, Dan. I have – a family drama that's simmering on the back burner right now, and it might blow up around the holidays. Uh, my mom died eight years ago, and uh, my dad <clears throat> didn't have an accident. My dad was in the hospital following it, and uh, he got out, and not not long after, within the first couple of years after her death, we we found some pretty incontrovertible evidence that he had been having an affair, and he ended up dating a woman we had the affair with and eventually marrying her, and she's my stepmom now. I know her really well. I'm close with her and close with her kids, um, and I don't have a problem with, with any of what's gone down, but my brother does, and he is coming home for the holidays for the first time in a long time, and he's been pretty distant from, certainly from my stepmom, and, and he's felt for a long time that it's put some distance between him and my dad. So he wants to confront them about this, and I think it's, I think it's a stupid idea. Um, I think that he should let the past be the past. Uh, I've heard you say similar shit on the podcast, and uh, that's what I think. Um, so I want to try and you know get your advice on how I can convince him to keep it in his head, or more more uh, appropriately, talk to someone, talk to a therapist, and uh, and figure figure this shit out on his own. I wanted to call you because I wanted a, a couple more details. Uh, was your mother ill for a very long time? No, it was a sudden. It was a sudden. Uh, it was an accident. And yep. and I'm sorry for your loss. I know what it what it is to lose your mom. I lost mine, and it still guts me to this day. So first off, sorry for your loss uh, of your mother. Right. Was your mother aware of this affair? 
Uh, all along for, she's been dead eight years and for about seven and a half years, I thought that she had no idea, but through my brother, I learned that my aunt, her sister had a little bit of an, an inkling, mm-hmm. um, before she died. And so she communicated, my aunt communicated this to my brother and, you know, said that there were troubling signs going on, um, you know, about six months before she died. And, and how long had your parents been together? Uh, just short of their 30th anniversary. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. You know, and sometimes sex and romantic attraction diminishes over the decades. Uh, marriages, particularly when there are kids involved, often become partnerships that are about other things and much more important things than just sex. Right. Yeah. We, we both recognize that my, my brother and I have had that conversation multiple times where he says, yeah, I don't think that they had a sexual relationship. Okay. In the years, you know, so before, before she died. If your father and mother had transitioned out of there being, you know, a sexual component to their marriage, but your dad was still there for your mother, still caring for your mother, still loving your mother, should he be faulted for getting those needs met elsewhere? And does it not perhaps speak well to your father's character, not ill of his character, that he didn't go to prostitutes, that, you know, that he actually – had a relationship with somebody outside of his marriage for which he may be faulted, but had a relationship with somebody that he had an emotional connection to. And then when he was not married anymore, when your mother passed away, he then, that relationship continued to grow and he married that woman. I mean, it's messy. It's inelegant. It's awkward. There may have been a betrayal involved. It may have hurt your mother that, her husband, who she did not have a sexual relationship with anymore, was having sex with somebody else. But he didn't abandon her. He didn't divorce her. He didn't upend your world when you guys were small children. As marital affairs go, the sins here are comparatively minor. I couldn't agree more. I think the real issue for my brother, and let me be clear, this is this is a non-issue for me or as close to being a non-issue as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, despite the fact that it's messy and complicated and awkward, uh, but for him, it's really about the way that my dad has handled it since, um, since this, this woman who we didn't know, then my stepmom, Right. And she's a big part of both of our lives. My brother feels that the, the dishonesty and the skirting around the elephant in the room all these years uh, has has been his big block as, uh, to getting close to her, and it's actually driven a wedge between him and my my dad. Uh, okay, then what, what, what? I don't get what your what would your brother have preferred that. As soon as your mother died, your dad confessed the affair that at, you know, at the bachelor party before your dad's second marriage, he pulled you guys aside and said, hey, just so you know, I was banging her before your mom died. Like there's no scenario that you can roll out where your brother still isn't going to feel angry because I think what your brother wants to do is feel angry. There's some chivalry going on here. On behalf of your late mother, your brother is you know, living the anger and wants to deliver that anger to your father that your mother didn't or wasn't able to or couldn't or may not have because of her untimely demise. And that's a kind of self-righteousness that I can totally understand. I didn't speak to my father for a few years after my dad left my mother because I was so angry. And we have a relationship now and we've worked it out, right? And if your brother wants to have it out with your father, he should. And 
it doesn't involve you necessarily. You can say to your brother, go have it. Well, this is the situation though. If for the last, for the last few years, he's been living in another part of the country and I've been close to home and I've been basically handling all the load. My, my wife and I mm-hmm. have been handling all the load of, you know, the parental relations. And so I, I, I think of him, I picture him confronting my dad, having it out and having a big blow up, uh, right around the holidays and then him disappearing and not having to confront it day to day anymore. And me having to, you know, clean up his mess. You don't have to clean up his mess. This is, you need to separate your relationship from your father and your stepmother from your brother's relationship to his father and stepmother. Mm -hmm. And if he wants to shit the bed and upset the apple cart, you don't have to, Take any responsibility for that. And if your father and stepmother are going to you to somehow manage from afar their relationship with his other son and wanting you to do, you know, run interference and, um, uh, you know, help them negotiate that relationship, you need to tell them that's not my job. And I have a great relationship with you guys. You're having problems with my brother. Go talk to my brother. You can you can remove yourself from this whole dispute. I understand that you, it would be upsetting if your brother came home and shit the bed for everybody right before the holidays and kind of ruined the holidays for everybody. But you don't have to be dragged into this dispute. You can say to your dad, yeah, he's angry and hurt. You need to talk to him and I'll see you next week when we go golfing. Just bow out. Yeah. It's not your job. Yeah. You're, you sound like a child of divorce who's you know, running around trying to make everything better for everybody and keep the peace and de-escalate, de-escalate. This may be a moment where you look at them and go, escalate the shit out of this. Let this explode so we can be done with it and your brother can unload and your father can apologize and offer his, you know, his, his side of the story and his rationalizations and explanation. Unfortunately, your mother isn't there to defend herself. But, you know, in a lot of long-term marriages, the, the sex dies and sometimes it dies. Oh, God, I shouldn't use – the sex goes away, right? And sometimes uh, it goes yeah. away because okay. one person is done with sex and the other person isn't. And I don't think in, you know, a 30, 40, 50-year marriage – that one person has a right to unilaterally declare an end to somebody else's sex life, right? Yeah. And if that's what happened for your parents, what your father did, like discreetly getting his needs met on the side, may have been the kindest and most supportive and loving way for him to stay with your mother. And you have an ongoing relationship with your father, you and your brother both, and perhaps you need to give your father the benefit of the doubt. And you can just have your brother listen to everything I'm saying right now. I know he's not on the line and I'm kind of talking to your brother through you, which is what I'm telling you not to allow your father to do. But whatever, have him listen and then warn dad that brother's coming and he wants to have it out about this. And then maybe your dad – are your parents – is your dad comfortable? Does he have some dough? Does he have enough money to like live on? Yeah. Okay. Tell your dad to get on. If you're worried about your brother ruining the holidays, call your dad and say, you know what? You should get on a fucking airplane and go see your other son so you guys can have this shouting match before Christmas and have it out. And the both of you stop Mm -hmm. like talking to me about it because I'm done. (laughs) I love you. I love my stepmother. Whatever happened with mom toward the end of your marriage – doesn't involve me and I'm sure you know there's a lot of messiness in long-term relationships. Tell your brother very few marriages that are multi-decade are strictly and fl- flawlessly monogamous the whole time. Infidelity and adultery is very common. So th- what your dad is guilty of is nothing that most American men and most American women aren't guilty of. An infidelity. That his infidelity led to a lasting and loving relationship. Maybe that speaks well to your dad. 
that he doesn't form sexual connections with women that he doesn't give a shit about. And it could have happened better. Whatever. I'm just like kind of exploding at your brother through you, which I'm telling you not to let your dad do. <laughs> Tell your dad to get on a fucking airplane and go talk to your brother before Christmas so they can have it out All right. and not ruin everybody's Christmas. And then tell your brother not to call you to unload about dad. Call dad to unload about dad. All right. Good luck. Yeah, take me out of, take me out of the middle of it. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, 25-year-old gay um, male from Washington, D.C. area. I come from a group of uh, a lot of straight guy friends, and it's never been an issue at all. I'm completely out to everyone. They're very supportive of me. And uh, recently, I was browsing on an internet dating site, and I found a profile um, of one of them where they identified as a gay male in the profile. Um, and he has not mentioned this to anybody, not least of all me at all. And I'm just wondering, I'm a little confused if this is something I can bring up with him, letting him know I saw this um, and asking him about it, or if that's, if that is basically me pulling him out of the closet. Um, I was really confused about whether this is something that, um, I have a responsibility or a right to even bring up with him. Um, if you let me know what I should do, that'd be great. This has come up before. Uh, what do you do when somebody who is straight identified, you, you spot them in a personal ad on a gay website and they're gay identified in this personal ad but telling you to your gay face that they're straight. And the analogy I've used is comparing this to back in the day, back pre-internet, if you're gay and you're out and you go to a gay bar and you see somebody across the room who you thought was straight, who is straight identified, do you have to pretend not to see them? No. You get to walk up to them and say, hey, how's it going? Welcome out? And you can put a question mark at the end of that welcome out. Maybe they're just there with their friends who are gay because you're a friend and you're gay and maybe his other gay friends that he went out with. Maybe he went out with the girls who like to go to the gay bars where they can dance without being groped uh, by straight guys except for the undercover straight guys who have realized that you can grope girls at gay bars uh, with a little more impunity. Anyway, uh, you know, maybe he has some other reason that he's there in that gay bar. But you don't have to pretend not to have seen what you saw when you see somebody in a gay bar. You can walk up to them and start chatting with them. Um, same goes, I think, when you see somebody's personal ad online where they say that they're gay. They're taking you know, that step out of the closet. Uh, you don't have to jump back into the closet with them. You don't have to out them. You, can't, you, you shouldn't be an asshole about it. You have to remember what it's like when you're first coming out and how those baby steps can feel very traumatic and consequential. And so you should be the good, nice, friendly, gay dude that you are and approach your friend privately with that question mark where you say you saw the dude that you knew from your class at the gay bar and you went up and you won't go, hey, welcome out. Are you out? Are you gay? You put a question mark at the end, allowing him to deny it in case it's not true or to deny it in case he's not ready to tell you. And you can go to your friend the same way about this personal ad. If your friend's good looking and he's all over Facebook, it's possible somebody stole his pictures and created an account because they just want to online fake and flirt and collect other people's pictures. Um, or maybe one of his dumb friends is playing a joke on him. Or maybe he's gay and this is his first step out of the closet. So put that question mark at the end of, hey, I saw on a – you were – is that you? Duh, and let him then decide in that moment whether he's going to come out to you if indeed he's gay or if he's going to run home in a panic if indeed – Somebody jumped on Facebook and stole a bunch of his shirtless pics and created an online gay account, which has happened to straight guys. So it's plausible. That could be what happened. 
unlikely, rarely, maybe the fig leaf that he wants for right now. But go to him. Pretend he's in a gay bar. Walk up to him and say, oh, hey, what's up, dude? Welcome out, question mark. See what he says. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 37-year-old gay male, and I'm in a nine-year monogamous relationship with a 33-year-old gay male. And we're, we have a very good relationship, very loving, um, and we have great sex. Except there's, there's one issue, and I, I was hoping that you could talk about this a little bit, and that has to do with, with body odor. My, my partner, uh, particularly if he hasn't showered or, you know, in the morning will have armpit smells or crotch smells, which I, I find to be very, very appealing. And he is disgusted with the way he smells and it's sort of a, a killjoy for him. But, you know, if we have sex, he has to be showered or put on deodorant, which I find to be a turnoff. And uh, another part of this is that he, he sort of makes me feel bad about me enjoying those smells. Like occasionally he'll sit on my face and let me masturbate and, and smell his balls or whatever. And I like that, but he's like, ew, that's gross. How can you like that? Or occasionally I'll take his underwear out of the laundry hamper and smell it while I masturbate, and uh, he, he thinks that's repulsive. So I, I was wondering if you could talk about body odor and how that plays into turning people on in a sexual relationship because um, I want to be able to enjoy that without him getting disgusted and just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Just sit down at a computer with your boyfriend and Google body odor, pheromones, sexual attraction. And there's all this research that shows that people respond to these cues, that there are pheromones in there that turn people on, that that, that, that pull people together, that reinforce sexual attraction, that you've made these kind of Pavlovian associations between his scent, his smell, sexual attractions, part of why the smell of him turns you on. You've been having sex with him for nine years. Um, he just needs to get over it and get past it. And and he can. I don't know if after nine years of your badgering and him B.O. and pheromone shaming you, it's going to be easy to get him past it. But he can get past it uh, with some effort and encouragement. I think there are some you – know, there are some fetishists out there in gay land. Maybe you're – boyfriend or husband had some exposure to these guys early on or has read their stories or seen personal ads where guys talk about man smells and raunch in this way that I I find very off-putting. I like how my man smells a lot. I don't like man smells. It can't just be anybody's armpit. I will – I would live in Terry's armpit when he got home from the gym if I could. I, could, I would just move in to Terry's sweaty pits if I could. He smells so good. Because he smells like him. He smells like Terry and I love Terry. Um, but just like some random stank-ass dude at the gym who walks by me, I don't like that so much. Stinky husband, all for it. Not dirty, not shitty, not gross. But stanky husband, all for it. Stanky stranger on the bus, no. And you need to make that distinction clear to your uptight weirdo boyfriend. And you need to also <laughs> tell him that the pheromone shaming has got to stop. The sitting on your face and then telling you you're a freaking weirdo has got to stop. He must have some interests or kinks or whatevers that turn him on that you indulge him in and you don't shame him for them. And he should knock this shit the fuck off. A programming note. When I met Terry, he was patchouli oil and deodorant and uh, cologne dude. Not anymore. All that shit's gone. When your boyfriend puts on deodorant, he basically doesn't smell like your boyfriend anymore. He smells like what Dow Chemical thinks a boyfriend should smell like. And it's not a clean smell. It's a chemical smell. You're smelling 
benzonite and aluminum and all sorts of shit that people aren't supposed to smell like. If he's worried about how he smells, he should jump in the shower. Keep deodorant around so every once in a while you can do a swipe and kill whatever bacteria might be growing. But he doesn't smell bad when he just smells like himself or he smells clean. Uh, and you can get him there. You can deprogram him. It will take some time. Enjoy his ass in the meantime. Hi, Dan. I'm 27. I'm a queer woman and I'm getting a divorce from my wife. We were the first queer couple in all of our friends to get married. We're the only queer couple in either of our families and either of our friends groups. And our families and friends have been supporting us really well on a personal level. But I've heard a lot of pushback against gay marriage because I'm getting a divorce. A lot of well, this is why gays shouldn't be allowed to get married because y'all just, you know, mess up marriage in the first place. And I don't really know what to say. Because, yes, I realize that getting a divorce is undermining the institution of marriage in this country. I'm contributing to statistics, etc. But what do I say when my friends just think that this is a stupid reason to support gay marriage? Because, I mean, obviously, the gays can't do marriage any better than the straights. I'd appreciate some snappy comebacks and some wit and wisdom because I can't just say fuck you to all of them. The first thing you say is fuck you. This is not the time to salt my wound. The second thing you say is, oh, yeah, if gay people start getting divorced, maybe then soon straight people will start getting divorced too. When we fight for the right to marry, one of the rights we're fighting for is the right to divorce. What happens in a divorce after a marriage is that you know, a part is that courts step in and they a judge helps dissolve this union so that the dissolution of the marriage is is fair and the the apportionment of marital property and income is fair and so that the rights of children, if there are any children that have been created or adopted uh, or you know through insemination or IVF in a lesbian relationship. That the, the rights of those children are protected so that one partner isn't left with the children and uh, left economically destroyed in the process. Divorce is one of the protections that marriage affords couples and it's an important right that we are fighting for, the right to divorce. It is sad when a marriage ends. It is not proof that gay people are unfit for marriage any more than divorcing straight couples are proof that straight people are unfit for marriage. This is just another incidence of this crazy, bizarro world argument that people who are opposed to marriage equality constantly make, that gay people have to be better than straight people, that there is a standard that applies when gay people wish to marry that doesn't apply when straight people marry. Straight people can be monogamous or not and be married. Straight people can have kids or not and be married. Straight people can be married in church or not and be married. Straight people can be married for life or not. And be married and marry again and again and again and again. We only hear that monogamy, children, faith are defining characteristics of marriage when same-sex couples want to marry. That is not bandied about when straight atheists marry, straight childless couples marry, straight non-monogamous couples marry. Likewise, with you and your experience, caller, you're hearing that divorce proves that gay people aren't fit for marriage. Why does not the same standard apply when straight people divorce? Because the people making that argument are disingenuous, dishonest, lumps of shit that you should cut out of your life along with your 
X. If they can't see their hypocrisy and apologize to you when you point it out to them. Hi, Dan. I've been a longtime listener and reader of your column. And I just wanted to let you know that I had a conversation with my dad about uh, Referendum 74, about gay marriage. And we had a really nice talk. And I just wanted to encourage all of your listeners to talk to their families and talk to their friends about this. Um, my dad was going to reject it, but we talked about it. I let him speak, and I listened, and I argued back, and I didn't scream, and I didn't yell. I didn't call him names. And after we finished our conversation, I talked on the phone with my mom a little. And uh, when I was saying goodnight to my dad, he told me that I changed his mind. So I have one more voter who is going to approve love this November. And I hope that all of your listeners also talk to their families in respectful, kind, and peaceful ways. And hopefully we won't have to vote on human rights like this again. November 6th in Washington State, Maryland and Maine. Voters will be deciding whether same-sex couples in those states can legally marry. Uh, and in Minnesota, voters are going to be deciding whether to amend their state constitution to ban uh, same-sex marriage, which is already illegal in Minnesota. Uh, thank you, caller, for talking to your dad, for talking him off the ledge. I encourage everyone out there listening. Uh, I assume if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you're probably down with marriage equality. But you, like the caller, probably have friends and relatives in those states who are not down with marriage equality. I would really appreciate it. If you reached out to them and had rational conversations with them and I think if you're a regular listener to podcast, you're probably armed with some really good arguments uh, for these conversations and they should be respectful and firm but we would appreciate it. All the queers in all those states and across the country would appreciate it uh, if you reached out to your straight friends and relatives. It's particularly powerful when straight people talk to straight people about marriage equality, when straight people model for other straight people that it is possible to be for marriage equality and straight. There's a whole bunch of my friends at The Stranger in Seattle who've been phone banking for R74, encouraging uh, people in the state to vote to approve R74 and it's terribly moving. Uh, Nancy Hartunian, the producer of the podcast, talks about when she went phone banking and has gone phone banking again and again, that talking to other straight people with children about marriage equality and why she supports it as a straight person, as a straight married person with children, she's able to reach them uh, in ways and on a level sometimes that uh, gay callers uh, who may be phone banking for marriage equality are not. So thank you straight people for what you're doing. And I really think – I said this the other night uh, at an event. You know, We've talked about how it gets better for gay people and it has gotten better for gay people. It's gotten better because straight people have gotten better. It didn't get better for gay people culturally in the last 40 years in a vacuum. So many straight people have come around, have let go of their homophobia and hatred, have learned to accept and love uh, and see their gay friends, relatives, children, neighbors, coworkers, colleagues as equal in every way, their love as equal in every way. Uh, and that is why it has gotten better for us. We haven't formed little armed enclaves where just gay people live and it's OK there and it's horrible uh, if any straight people are around. It's better for us because straight people are better. You, caller, I appreciate you so much and what you've done to make it better for gay people. And your dad, I appreciate what he's doing uh, and the journey that he's on and, and his having come around thanks to you um, has made it better for gay people and hopefully we will win. In Washington State, hopefully R74 will be approved and we will win in Maryland and Maine and hopefully Minnesota, although polls there are tight. Um, I have hope. So please vote for marriage equality in all four states where it's on the ballot this November. Please vote for Barack Obama on November 6th and let's make it better for everybody. 
And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. If you want to make sure your comment is forever attached to the podcast uh, that to which it is relevant, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast where there's a dedicated comment thread attached to each and every show. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Vote for Barack Obama. Vote for marriage equality. Don't use antiperspirant. Vote for Claire McCaskill if you're listening in Missouri. It's important, particularly important in Ohio. I know we have lots of listeners in Ohio. When we look at the state-by-state downloads, per capita, we have more listeners in Ohio than any other state. Listeners in Ohio, Barack Obama needs you. Go out there and vote. 206-201-2720. That's the number. Nancy Hartunian produces the Savage Lovecast every week, and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. And yes, I know that's not grammatical. I do it on purpose to annoy the grammar Nazis. Back at you next week with another installment. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>